I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot... Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. What's going on, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Chargers Lately. I am your host, Michael Peterson, and today we've got a great episode for you. It's a little longer than normal, but I was joined by Bill Williamson. He's our Raiders guy from Silver and Black Pride. That is the Raiders' sister site of Bolts from the Blue. We had a great conversation, really kind of dug into what's going on with these two teams and kind of just got caught, you know, carried away with the conversation. So that's why it went a little bit long, but I don't think you guys are going to complain about a longer podcast, more content to consume. So uh, really not much else to talk about other than that. I don't want to waste your time. So let's get right into the conversation. All right. I'm joined now by my good friend, good colleague, Bill Williamson. He is our Raiders guy over at Silver and Black Pride. That is SB Nation's Raiders blog. And, uh, you know, we're doing this because obviously the Chargers play the, uh, the Raiders this week. It's another interdivision game. Uh, it's going to be heated. It's going to be emotional as all get out. Um, but before we kind of get into that, uh, Bill, how are you doing? Michael, how's it going? Thanks for having me. This is exciting. This is my first crossover podcast since being at SB Nation, Silver Black Pride. So it's uh, hello to everybody from Bolts in the Blue. And, uh, you know, let's make this an, uh, a twice a year deal. Yeah, it's uh, there's no way we're gonna get around that. That's for sure. Um, being divisional opponents and, and guys, for for those of you who don't know, Bill has you know quite the resume. And I, one of the things that you guys should be interested in is that he actually worked with ESPN, covered the entire division, the AFC West, from what was it, 2008 to 2013. So right. he's no, you know, he's no amateur to the division. He knows quite a bit of history more than me. Again, I'm only what am I, 26 now. Uh, this is my first year doing this professionally, although I've covered the Chargers for some years now. Um, Bill's a big deal, and, and this is a, an exciting, exciting podcast. It's got a conversation that hopefully we're about to have. So how this is going to go, because we're actually going to post this specific uh, episode of the podcast 
uh, at Silver and Black Pride as well. You know, a literal cross post between Bolts and the Blue and Silver and Black Pride. So we're actually going to take turns kind of bouncing things off of each other. Just going to have a great conversation about these two teams. So I'm actually going to throw the reins over to Bill to kind of start getting the ball rolling and for me to talk about the Chargers more so uh, right now, and then we're going to kind of switch it up and then we'll get more into the Raiders specifically um, from my angle. So Bill, why don't you go ahead and uh, let's just get this thing started. Yeah. Thank you for the kind words, Michael. Yeah. I mean, this is a preview and if you want to learn about both teams, um, you know, you may not want to talk about Charger fans may not want to hear about it, but you know, the elephant in the room is, is, is the blown losses. And you, you talked about my history you know, sadly, I've seen a lot. Of, this isn't just a one-year thing. This is not an Anthony Lynn thing at all. Um, you know, a theme of the, of my Chargers work when I was doing it, you know, what, 12 to 7 years ago was injuries and blown games. And it's every game. It's every season. And so I'm like, well, okay, the coaches are changing. It's not the coaches. Um, medical staffs uh, change. It's not the medical staff. Maybe you know. Maybe it's Philip Rivers, who's one of my favorite guys ever, I ever covered. And well, it's not Philip Rivers either because it's happening without him. I don't know what it is, but it's incredible that every year the same things about this team. This is a quality roster, and it has been. They just can't put it together, and. I mean, I was there for Ray Rice, fourth and 26. I was there in Halloween uh, when Philip muffed the uh, the play when they were set up a game-winning easy field goal. You know, the, the Patriots lost in the playoffs. It can go on and on. So while this is crazy, while this is four games of blown 16-point leads or more and lost three of those games, I don't know why it keeps continuing to this franchise. I wish I had some good answers for it. I wish I could pinpoint something, just like all of us, wish we could just put our thumb on something and say, this is it, this is how we fix it. I don't know. Again, you've been here, you've been covering the Chargers, and at least have witnessed a lot more than I have. But just in my brief history, um, only been covering the Chargers for about three or four years now, before that, still being a fan, you know, since I was little, I look back at at least the years that stand out to me were the Mike McCoy years where I think it was the the 15 season where they went five and 11, the 16 season when they went four and 12. And in that 16 season, that was when they, they had the blown 10 point fourth quarter lead to the chiefs. And they allowed Alex Smith to set career highs and passing yards and pass completions. And then he won with that walk off rushing touchdown in overtime. And then I think they beat the Jaguars pretty well. Okay. That's what we kind of expect them to do. And then it went into, I think it was, they played the Saints, at least the next couple games. I don't know the order it was, but it was the Saints. They blew um, a fourth quarter lead where back-to-back plays, it was a Melvin Gordon fumble. Saints picked it up and score right away. And then they had a pass to Travis Benjamin to begin the drive. He fumbled it immediately. Saints get it and score again. So all of a sudden, just like within, you know, 30 seconds of actual game time, the Saints came back and, and the Chargers blew that lead. And then there was the, uh, the Raiders game where I think maybe that's the one you're talking about where Philip Rivers muffed the snap on the field goal, or actually maybe this year was, I think it was Drew Case or it was a punter of some sorts that, that muffed the, the handling and they lost the Raiders um, in Oakland that time. And there's one more that I think is escaping me, but they had, I think a 99, a 98 and an 89% chance to win these games all in the fourth quarter. And at the time 
it was the most, like it was the highest combined percentage of like a three game stretch in NFL history that was blown. So at that point, it's the peak of like the blowing chances, right? Blowing leads. Like it was, it just didn't get much worse than that. And, and, you know, the Chargers all of a sudden had 17 and 18, right? You go nine and seven after an own four start, you know, Anthony Lynn begins with, with, with a good record. Um, he's in the good graces of the team. And then, 2018, and the one thing that sticks out about 18 is this was honestly the one year, I think, in the past decade or so, at least that I can remember, where the Chargers were relatively healthy. The biggest injury that I remember was Hunter Henry was towards ACL in May of 18 before the season, and he only came back in for the, the Patriots playoff game that they obviously lost. The only other injury besides Hunter Henry was Joey Bosa was gone for nine weeks which is incredible to think about. So no Joey Bosa for nine weeks. And this Chargers team still went 12 and four, made the playoffs for the first time since 2013, had a really good year. Well, at the same time, besides health, you look at their, their one game losses, or at least one game, game, excuse me, decided by one score or less. And they won, I think they went six and one that year, six and two or something like that. I mean, they flipped the script uh, compared to recent seasons, right? And, and, and all of a sudden, there you are. You have a double-digit win record um, during the playoffs. So you're, you're definitely correct that this team can't seem to just get by this. I mean, I don't know what else you call it besides a curse. I don't know how you describe it, how you kind of put it into a box, right? Um, they just haven't been able to figure it out. And, and as of the, like our presser with Anthony Lynn on Monday, he seems pretty, pretty fed up about the whole thing. Yeah, because I mean, it's just it's it's and he doesn't care about the history or the curse. I mean, he yeah. all he cares about is right now, and and that's what he should care about. Um, mentally, I mean, how does this team? How if this team has a a a seventeen point lead, a twenty point lead, a one point lead in the fourth quarter of this next week's game against the Raiders? I mean, are they going to be confident? I mean. I, I don't know if, if you can be. I mean, at some point you get in your own head and maybe they've already been in their own head in some of these losses. Yeah, I think, you know, the first time it happens and you're a team uh, that, you you know, you're confident in, you feel like you got some good players. The first time it happens, you do kind of chuck that up to, hey, it's the NFL, crazier stuff has happened, right? Obviously the Falcons have had really bad luck blowing these um, this season as well. People have have gone as far as to say that the Falcons and the Chargers are essentially the same team, just in separate conferences. And that's a whole different conversation, but right. you know, it happens the second time you're thinking, man, what a bad break for Justin Herbert. He's been phenomenal. Defense just can't seem to figure it out. Well, and at the same time in, in those Tampa Bay and new Orleans games, the offense did kind of uh, stutter a little bit, kind of slow down in the third quarter, but overall Justin Herbert still played fine. And then they get the bye, and we come out against Jacksonville. And, and they, they, make, they get a 16-point lead. Okay, here we are. I can't believe this team's done it again, you know, 16-point lead. Um, and then Jacksonville comes back. And they blow it and then blow it a little bit more, as in uh, Jacksonville at one point had a 29, I think it was, to 22 lead or 29 to 17 lead. I don't have the numbers in front of me. But they took their fair share of a lead over the Chargers. But then, unlike these other games, the Chargers kind of hunkered down. Justin Herbert kept his foot on the gas. The offense kind of stayed aggressive more so than they did in past games. And they ended up winning by 10 points. So yeah. they're one. So, you know, it, it was a, not a one score game. It was the first game that didn't, that wasn't decided by one score, which is fantastic. That's where you want to go as this Chargers team. 
And then we get this Broncos game. What can we honestly say about what happened against the Broncos? The Chargers had their biggest lead of the season, 21 points, with I think it was 739 or something like that in the third quarter. So just a quarter and a half left in this game, 21 points. And, and if you set this up for somebody and said this hypothetical situation is what it is, do you think, like, how, what are the chances of a team losing? They probably look at you and be like, oh, no, there's no way they lose. Probably a 1% right. chance. Well, that's what the Denver Broncos had at one point in this game was a 1% chance to win. The next thing you know, this, this team that averaged one yard a carry in the first half broke off a 55-yard touchdown run. And then next thing you know, they score four times, have four scoring drives in the second half, three of them coming in the last quarter and a half. And <laughs> that, that was it. I mean, I was on the, the, the stream, which is a little behind time. And so I saw that they ended up losing on that final play before I even got to see it. I just shut the TV off because, again, I'm astounded that this thing is, is still happening. Um, and so I think I went really long with this answer. You asked me, you know, how, do you, how are these teams going to stay confident? I, I guess long story short is that I don't know how they, they keep that confidence up especially if it were to happen again against the Raiders, because fans have been feeling it for years. The second that first big splash play comes with the 17, 21 point lead, every single Chargers fan, if you're in a room full of them, they'll all look at each other and say, Oh, here it comes. And more often than not, that lead is blown and they lose that game. Yeah. You know, while you're talking, I thought of another one, Monday night football. I think it was Peyton Manning's first year in Denver. 24 nothing Chargers in Qualcomm yep. at halftime. Broncos win 35-24. I mean, yep. this stuff is incredible, and it keeps happening. And we're not trying to make fun. It's just it's 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 real. Now, mm -hmm. on the flip side, we said Anthony Lynn doesn't care about the history. The players don't care about the history. They just care about get, getting it right right now. Coaches on the other side, John Gruden this week. He isn't telling his players, okay, let's let's spot them 17 nothing, boys, and let's go, we'll have them right where we want them. You know, that may be cute for us to say, but they look at this team as a team that gets big leads on other teams. That's what they're talking to. They're like, this is a quality team because mm -hmm. they keep beating the hell out of other teams for most of the game. Crazy stuff happens. And they end up losing, but the Chargers are not a bad team. That So you guys better be prepared for that. And, you know, every NFL coach, when they play a team with a bad record, says that. Like, we, you know, people laugh about Chris Jones of the Chiefs say, hey, you know, nobody thinks the Jets are a good team because they haven't won a game. Well, that, you know, that's him saying what Andy Reid said to him all week. And it's just to keep the team motivated. But with the Chargers, you have evidence of film and stats of that this is a team that can beat you. It's two and five, but it only lost by a combined 19 points. So I think the Raiders respect the Chargers. And, and you know, I think that they, this is not going to be an easy game, and I don't think beating the Chargers is easy for anybody. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. 
no, you're, you're definitely correct. And, and that's, it's, it's weird to say about a team that's two and five, right? Like uh, this team is tough to beat. Although they've, they've been beaten five times and only, and only uh, one, two games. But I mean, it's, it's almost like I don't have words for this because yes, they're two and five. So to say that they're hard to beat is kind of weird. And then you think about the blown losses, the chances that those were happening and that it keeps happening. I mean, at this point, a team who plays the Chargers would feel more confident in them coming back from 17 points than they would about the idea of just beating the Chargers from the get-go. It's right. such a weird idea and a weird thought process to kind of like put yourself in the shoes of a player looking at this Chargers team, right? Like you right. can almost expect to get the, the brakes beat off of you in the first half. But then like, let's just say that the Chargers are up, you know, 14, 16 points and in the second half. Do the Raiders feel like super chill about it? Are they just kind of cool, calm and collected? Like they hit the, they hit halftime and John Gruden's like, guys, I think we'll be fine. You know, like he could do that. And in a normal situation, his players would normally look at him and be like, this guy's crazy. But if it were to happen, you know, this Sunday, his team would be like, yeah, we agree with you, coach. We're about to come back and take this. It is so, so strange. I think you can take that tact in the game if it happens. You can't take it into the game. Mm -hmm. You know, you can't say, okay, if they get ahead of us, we're going to be fine. But if you're going to halftime and you can point to those to those facts. But, you know, if you go into the game counting on it, I think that's going to backfire on you. And, you know, and the, we talk about this being a, a tough team and, and a good team. And you guys, the Chargers have a quarterback that has been terrific. And he's won one game as a starter. And the future be, should be so bright and he should be so excited. I mean, these losses are really kind of putting a – a, a damper on what this quarterback Justin Herbert is doing, right? I mean, the future is very bright, and the present may be bright too. John Gruden said yesterday and called the media that this guy is a problem for the AFC West, and I think he is right. Yeah, it's with how how Justin Herbert's been playing, right? Anybody in their right mind would say this guy is a problem. He's going to be good for a long time. He's shown us consistently week to week. He can air it out. He can score touchdowns. He can get it done his way. And the last person in the division that they've been able to say that sort of thing about was Patrick Mahomes. And we've obviously seen what Patrick Mahomes has been able to do. But uh, the Chiefs defense and, and Chiefs defense is not even a defense that we talk about as a top tier unit. They're not a team right. that, uh, you know, they've got star power, right? And Chris Jones and Derek Clark and Teron Matthew and, and those guys, but it's still not considered like an elite defense. Well, you know, the last couple of years, the Chargers have been pegged as an elite defense. And, you know, despite the injuries and everything, they're still being dominant defensive team in the first half, the first two and a half quarters. It's, it's just incredibly frustrating. And uh, I wish Chargers fans could just be comfortable in Justin Herbert and what's going on. But as good as Herbert's been playing, the fan base entirely can't even find a semblance of comfort knowing that despite his incredible play as a rookie, that the defense or the coaching staff just cannot find a way to, to either adapt or fix whatever's going on to stop these leads from being blown. Yeah, but you know that the biggest deal in the NFL, we and I'm not giving any secrets here, it's finding a franchise quarterback. That is the toughest mm -hmm. thing to do in the NFL. 
once you find a franchise quarterback, you're going to be pretty, you're going to be pretty good. And they found a franchise quarterback. So if Anthony Lynn is not the coach for this team, and I'm not ready to say that, um, well, you got the quarterback. If, you know, mm-hmm. if the defense needs some pieces and okay, but you got the quarterback and that's the starting point. And um, so I think that that is really the silver lining for this team um, for this season and the future that, yeah, I mean, eventually it's going to fall into place and, you know, I mean, eventually the injuries are going to stop and eventually the ball is not going to do weird things and, you know, when and allow teams to come back like crazy, but at least you got the quarterback and that's something. And I think the Raiders respect Herbert right now. And the Raiders are a team that's been beaten, you know, given up a lot of points this year. Um, mm-hmm. They gave up six in a real, you know, a, a windy, weird game. That was a total of 22 points. But I, you know, before I say, hey, this Raider defense is 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 fixed or it's better, I want to see them do against this Charger offense. Yeah, I, I think that's you know, it's a very good measuring stick for for some teams' defenses. And uh, normally, you'd say, well, it's a rookie quarterback, the defense should play well. But this isn't no ordinary rookie quarterback, right? And, and looking at the stats here that I have written down uh, with the, the Raiders' defense, I mean, you guys allow 377, 378 yards per game, 260 through the air, 117 on the ground. And, and probably the most, you know, uh, egregious stat is that you guys allow 29 points per game. And, and that's a lot of points. Um, yep. You guys score 26.7 per game on offense. And yet somehow you are four and three and you've beaten some pretty good teams. So it seems like the Raiders are, kind of a mixed bag honestly I mean they've they've lost to some teams that you know when they lost to them they, those teams looked pretty good like the Patriots but now the Patriots are kind of spiraling out of control and uh, you guys beat the teams that the Chargers were not able to beat which are the, the Panthers the Chiefs the Saints I mean it's kind of a mixed bag like I said with what you're going to get from this Raiders team on a week-by-week basis yeah it's been an interesting season um, you know ebbs and flows a lot of people, wrap, you know, they start two and zero with Carolina and, and and New Orleans wins, and then they lose to the Patriots and the Bills were both playing very well early season, and then people were bummed out. And you know, I'm like, hey, look, at, if you start two and zero and then you're two and three, you're gonna have to either beat the Bills or the Chiefs, and they they lost to the Bills and they came back and they beat the Chiefs and they 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 earned that win. They were they beat the Chiefs, um, so now three and two, I'll hey. Who knows, you know, AFC title, West title. And then they don't look very good coming out of the bye, you know, against the, the Buccaneers. And this is a team that, you know, Paul Guther, defensive coordinator, you just gave up the sacks, excuse me, the stats. And I said sacks because they only have seven sacks in seven games. They haven't had a sack in two games. You know, they've had two quarterback hits in the last two games combined. That's for those math geniuses. That's one hit of the quarterback in the game. Um, Paul Gunther, well, people want to fire him. You look at the bye week, the last three years coming out of the bye, they came, they gave up 42, 42, and then 45 points this year to the Buccaneers. And good coaches come out of the bye and they, their teams perform pretty well because they have extra time. That hasn't happened. So, and then, so you're like, okay, what's going on? Fire everybody. And then they beat the Browns in that weather game, and they were the tougher team. They ran the ball, 
and they were the tougher teams. So now you're excited again. So it's been a total ebb and flow season for the Raiders. The thing that is exciting about it is that they've had played some tough teams. They've played some tough teams well. They had a lot of injuries, nothing like the Chargers, nothing like the 49ers, but they had their fair share of injuries the first couple of weeks. Well, now they're getting healthier, and they're almost there. They're almost completely healthy, and the schedule is going to really ease up. Uh, they have nine games left, and this is a team that has three games against opponents that have winning records, the Chiefs, the Colts. And the Dolphins. And the Dolphins are just four and three. I don't know if the Dolphins are a great winning team. And then you have six games left against the Chargers twice, the Broncos twice, the Jets, and the Falcons. And those six teams have a combined record of seven, seven and 23. So the rest of the season is really set up for the Raiders to make a real playoff run. And I think, you know, that if, if they get by the Chargers this week and the, and the, Broncos the next week. Now they're six and three and looking pretty good. Yeah, I was actually looking over the Chargers schedule to kind of get an idea of, and this was before the Broncos loss, um, but to get a rough idea of how realistic the Chargers could potentially go on a run and maybe get one of those last wild card spots. And and one of the teams in front of them is obviously the Raiders. And I'm sitting there thinking, you know, looking at the Raiders schedule to see if there's a chance that they could stumble behind the Chargers if the Chargers were to go on a run. And I'm like, these guys are set up so well, especially mm-hmm. when you consider the teams that they've already beaten. And and I'll be totally honest with you guys. I, I think the loss to the Broncos kind of put the final nail in the coffin of what could have been, you know, a chance to give the Chargers, uh, you know, a postseason spot. I just don't see how they come out of it because what, what they've done is they've only beaten like the worst teams they've played. And uh, and, uh, this was a situation where I thought they should have beat the Carolina Panthers. And I I think they should have beat the the Denver Broncos. You know, I thought their only losses should have been to the Bucks and the saints, you know, in the early and the chiefs, excuse me, in the early goings of things. And then their schedule was going to soften up, but the schedule became soft, right. When they started playing the Jaguars and then the Broncos this past week, but a win against the Jaguars. Cool. That's what you expect. They didn't beat the Broncos. They lost it in the fashion that they did. So I don't see how you look at their really soft schedule going forward and think that a game like hell, even the Jets and the, and the you know the Jets being a simple game, like hell yeah, they should probably beat the Jets. But we, I thought the Dolphins were going to be a really easy game. Well, the Dolphins just put one on uh, the Rams with a complete effort. I mean, that game was won from special teams and and a defensive effort as well. So. I just don't have much confidence in this Chargers team going forward. They're going to have to win quite a few games that I think they should not win, at least as of right now. So it, it seems like it's a t- t- tale of different stories with these teams. The Raiders are set up really well. They beat the teams that they probably shouldn't have, and the Chargers have done the exact opposite. So, yeah, again, they're 4-3. Yeah. and three. Go ahead. No, there's a lot of season left. And, you know, I mean, you talk about the Raiders, and Raiders fan maybe say, okay, yeah, they're saying we're set up. Well, last year there were six and four with six games remaining that weren't particularly difficult, and the Raiders went out and lost five out of six games to finish seven and nine, and ten and six, eleven and five looked really doable at at six and four. So you just don't know, you know. So again, these 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 narratives and and and. And then people wanting to scream, it, it, it changes week to week. It really does. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, you're definitely correct. Uh, and who knows, like maybe maybe this Sunday is a tilting point, right? A, a point where, hell, the Chargers win, the Raiders lose, and, and then the teams all of a sudden, you know, ricochet into different paths going forward. Or as of right now, it could simply go the way it looks like it's going to go, which is the Chargers potentially um, get up and blow a lead or a Raiders team that has shown to be really strong through the trenches and, and can grind out dirty wins, which is something that Chargers have not shown that they can do this season. Potentially the Raiders are going to be, uh, you know, victors on Sunday. I just, I don't know how to feel ab about this team. Um, I'm not sure how you feel about the matchup, but, I thought maybe we could get more into some specifics. Let's talk about this, you know, specific matchup: Chargers versus Raiders um, going into Sunday. And uh, one of the things I actually wanted to bring up was I didn't realize Derek Carr has been pretty efficient so far this season. I mean, I, you know, I thought Justin Herbert was looking good with you know 15 touchdowns to, to five picks, but Derek Carr sitting with an interception to touchdown ratio of, of 14 scores to two picks and. Uh, I didn't expect that. Just, I mean, for those who don't know, how how have you seen Carr play this year? And just in general, what's been your um, impression of him? Yeah, I mean, he was efficient last year as well. Um, you know, the the he they set him up for pretty, you know, you don't want to say game manager because nobody wants to hear that, but you know, production. Maybe it may not be the the yards per catch production, but you know, low risk plays. He has been the benefit of some dropped interceptions, not a ton, but you know, there, there, there could have been a pick six in that game the other day. Um, but I think the difference is that they are airing it out a little bit more. That's, you know, the Henry Ruggs effect. Henry Ruggs only has, I think eight or nine catches, um, but there has been some big plays and you take the Cleveland game out of it because of the weather. And they just, they just, it was a running game. For both sides. I mean, again, this is a team. This is a game that totaled 22 points. So I think you really take all stats and, you know, passing stats out of that. But, you know, to answer your question, Derek Carr, I think he is getting more and more comfortable in John Gruden's offense. And he has been an effective quarterback this year. I mean, that's, that's better than most teams can say, right? I mean, to be able to say you've been an effective, efficient quarterback. Um, no matter if he's not, you know, blowing the doors off teams, having a stellar year, I mean, that's better. And, and what smart teams want in himself, you know, and he's running the ball a little bit more. He had a couple big runs the other day. So I think his confidence is super high. Yeah. And that's what you want, right. In, in your quarterback. And, and, and they've obviously shown that their defense can help win some games, which is something the Chargers can't say. I mean, offensively, uh, they averaged 379 yards of offense per game. That's uh, 11th in the NFL, 252 through the air, 127 on the ground. Um, they averaged 26.7 points per game. In. And we'll get to the defense side of the ball, but I want to compare these two things real quick. Um, for a 43 team, they average uh, over two points less on offense than they allow on defense. And then you, you, this is something you don't see too often. So, I mean, going forward, that defense probably needs to, to hunker down a little bit more. But the offense is still, you know, a top half, almost in the top 10 units, um, which is great, which is exactly uh, where you want. And, I mean, let's get into some specifics about uh, some of these Raiders offensive players. I mean, obviously a guy that comes to mind is Josh Jacobs. And, and I think a lot of people have said or, or think that Jacobs hasn't been 
who he was last year. I mean, he's still getting a lot of carries, but the, you know, the yards per carry isn't there too much. Um, he did have a big game. I mean, 31 carries is a lot of carries. Turned out 128 yards. Um, so he's doing fine on the year. In total, 147 carries, 522 yards, five touchdowns. He's been fine. And then another one of their stars, Darren Waller, 45 catches, 373 through the air, three touchdowns. And then they've got Henry Ruggs. I don't have his stats, but, I mean, Henry Ruggs hasn't been exactly who, who they maybe hoped he would be uh, early on his career. But let's go over this offense real quick. Who are some of the guys you like to maybe have a successful day uh, against the Chargers? Is that Jacobs? Is it Waller? Who's on your mind? Well, you, you named the three guys that are real keys. Um, Josh Jacobs, that was a very encouraging and needed performance against the Browns as a guy who had 4.8 yards per carry as a rookie, was near the top of the league. This year, he was all the way down to 3.4 and only had one game over 3.7 going into the Cleveland game. So he needed to put that type of game together. When he's going, he's, you know, he's a bruiser. He breaks tackles. He kind of closes games in the fourth quarter. So that was very encouraging to see. Waller is 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 Derek Carr's is his kind of his bailout guy. Hunter Renfro, the second year slot receiver, is to a lesser degree, but Waller is more consistent as far as targets go. And his per catch average is down from the 12s in last year in, in 2018 into the 8s this year. So while it just seems they're not getting him to be in the open field as much, that has to change a little bit. He's an excellent player. He can take over games. And then Ruggs is kind of the X factor. Um, you know, you, you say that maybe it, the, the, his start hasn't been as good as, as the Raiders had hoped. I don't know if that's necessarily true because he has missed a couple of games. He has made some real big impact plays. They've used him as a decoy a little bit, and that's helped. But let's face it, this is the number 12 overall pick in the draft in a very strong receiver draft. And we're seeing a lot of rookie receivers play well. So it doesn't seem like the draft Knicks made a mistake by saying this is a, draw, a strong draft for, for receivers it is and he was the first receiver taken so you have to use him more than just a decoy you're going to have to use him more than just a hey we think we can take the top off of this defense once or twice a game they got to get him more involved Gruden kind of called him out after the Tampa Bay game by saying yeah we got to get him more involved but he didn't beat some one-on-one -on -one battles and this is guy with two point you know 4.27 speed He's got, he should win his one-on-one -on -one battles. So we call him out a little bit. And again, Cleveland game didn't really – it wasn't a passing game. So I think he's going to have to have a big, important role, and I think they're going to try to get him more involved. So if the Raiders – they have a very simple formula that if, if, if Jacob's going and, and, and Waller is making his big plays and, and you can get Ruggs to make his impact, they're going to win a lot of games. Those are the keys for them. Yeah, I'm actually quite worried about their skill players because I think the Raiders, like Waller and Ruggs, are, I think, the types of players that beat the Chargers. If you look at uh, the Chargers linebacking group, Kenneth Murray and Kaiser White, 
Um, I just went back and looked at some of these numbers. This is from a sports info info solutions. They do a great job of, of collecting a lot of good numbers and, and Kaiser white is third in the NFL in terms of total yards allowed in coverage by a linebacker with 173. Kenneth Murray, the rookie who's done a phenomenal job in, in run defense, you know, has had some uh, rookie lumps, but for the most part has been solid as kind of an enforcer in the middle. He's 14th in terms of yards allowed at 123. And I think Kaiser White's allowed multiple touchdowns. I think White's allowed, or excuse me, Murray's allowed multiple touchdowns. And if you look back at, at some of these close games they lost, Tampa Bay, uh, they tortured Kaiser White with OJ Howard, with, with Cameron yeah. Brait. I mean, so athletic tight ends are going to give these linebackers fits. These linebackers can run you know, and jump with, with, with the best of them. I mean, Kaiser's a former safety that transitioned from West Virginia to the linebacker spot. Kenneth Murray's a four, five, four, something like that. Low four, five guy at, you know, six, two, 245 pounds. Like these are elite athletes at the position, but they just don't have the same nuance that you want in a good coverage linebacker. Um, it's not Fred Warner. You know, it's not one of those types of guys. who just can almost stick with, with, with anybody in coverage. And, and then you got Henry Ruggs. I mean, his four-two-seven speed. The Chargers secondary, even with, with, when they're at full health, they're still not the fastest group in the world. Casey Hayward's never won with his athleticism. Mike Davis is a former undrafted free agent from seventeen that has been good. He's he can run, you know, roughly four-four flat, maybe just a bit under. He's our top athlete there. But then you've got Rayshon Jenkins, who's a four-five guy. You got Nasir Adderley, who uh, was a little injured before his pre-draft stuff, but was a four-five guy. Chris Harris has never been a speedster. I mean, you don't have a lot of top end speed to keep up with the elite guys. That's why Tyreek Hill has given this team so much, uh, so many problems. Why Sammy Watkins seems to be stepping up uh, whenever the Chiefs play the Chargers. I mean, they have issues with speed. And so if you guys remember, the Chargers had the Chiefs on the ropes and then match Mahomes while running, you know, sideways, uncorked a 55 yard bomb to Tyreek Hill. And he threw it in a place that only Tyree Kill could catch it. And they had Chris Harris was right in his uh, pocket. This year, Adelie was coming over the top. But when you have players like Tyree Kill with speed like Henry Ruggs, you don't so much have to draw up a good football play is, you know, compared to maybe just putting him in the right spot pre-snap and say, hey, run this direction as fast as you can. You're going to beat these guys because you're so fast. And I'm going to throw it up to you and only to a place that you're going to be able to get it. And that's how a lot of these, you know, speedsters win and score their points. And, and honestly, Henry Ruggs was a big reason why the Raiders beat the Chiefs earlier this season. And I can easily see Henry Ruggs, you know, being used to do a lot of the same stuff against the Chargers. Yeah, you know, I, I think if the Chargers, you know, get one of these big double-digit leads, I think one of the plays that might spur a comeback from the Raiders is Henry Ruggs just get, get loose finally. You know, maybe he's bottled up the first half, but I could totally see him doing something like that. So, I am super worried about Waller, about Ruggs, and, and, and that offensive line is no joke either. With, with a bruiser running back in Josh Jacobs, the Chargers are kind of okay with uh, stopping the run, but most recently against Jacksonville. I mean, James Robinson looked like Earl Campbell. That's something Anthony Lynn said, that their defense made James Robinson, who's a rookie undrafted player, look like Earl Campbell, and that's not something you want to be able to say about your defense. So I am super worried about that trio that we talked about, and but I want to kind of flip this over uh, real quick. And I want to ask you, who are some players for the Chargers on offense that you think have the best opportunity to potentially give the Raiders some fits on Sunday? Well, you know, tight ends, the tight ends have not had as much 
success this year against the Ravens than other years, but they can be had. You know, Corey Littleton signed a, a big contract, hasn't hasn't played as well as he thought, so I think they can exploit the tight end. And it's, it really comes down to just the passing game. You know, I think Keenan Allen is a, you know, is a terrific NFL receiver and the Raiders are going to have to stop him. I, you know, and, and, and Herbert, I mean, the, again, giving up six points to Baker Mayfield may say, Hey, that's progress, but the weather, it's just, so I want to see the Raiders make some stops in the passing game. And so it's really, it may not be an exotic answer, but don't let, don't let your quarterback and your best receiver exploit. And, and that goes for Mike Williams too. Don't let those guys take over. That has to be paramount for the Raiders. When you look at the Raiders' defense up against this Chargers offense, um, who are some guys on the defense that you think match up well? Um, what do you think is a position group that the Chargers, especially Justin Herbert, may struggle with on Sunday? Well, I mean, it's a growing unit. Uh, it's a unit that, you know, last week – Everybody wanted to get rid of everybody, right? The player that's really probably – there's two guys that stand out, and it's safety, Jonathan Abram. He really played uh, – he was a big key role in that win over the Chiefs. They were blitzing. They wanted to do some uh, scheme changes against the, the Browns after, you know, not having much success against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And they blitzed Abram a lot. I expect they're going to try to do that again. They're going to try to get Abram in, you know, in Herbert's face a couple of times. And then Max Crosby, who's a guy who needs some help on that defensive line, but he has real pass rush chops. So I think that the uh, the Chargers offensive line, I'm not sure how that Chargers offensive line has been playing of late, but he's certainly a guy that the Chargers are going to have to, you know, be mindful of. Yeah, if you if you don't know how the Chargers offensive line is playing, I'll uh, I'll tell you right now they haven't been playing good. Uh, the injuries have been mounting. They've played with you know two of five starters for the majority of the year. This past week they just got Brian Bulaga back, who was a huge help, and and their starting right guard was their uh, it was the backup because Trey Turner, their starter, has only played I think. 78 total snaps this season. His backup was this guy named Ryan Groy. Ryan Groy ended up contracting uh, or being put on the COVID list at least and on the IR with a, a torn labrum, I think it is. So uh, they went with a guy named Cole Toner, who Cole was actually a fifth round pick, I believe, of the Cardinals a couple of years ago. Uh, he's been with the Chargers at least the last two years. They decided, heck, you know, let's put someone in there who hasn't even been on the active roster yet. So they, they started Cole Toner, and I thought he did a, a fantastic job. The Chargers went for 210 on the ground, which I think is a, a season high for sure. And so that was really good to see, that that right side was solidified. Bulaga has, according to SIS, the Sports Info Solutions place, he has two blown assignments all season. He's been one of the best, according to ESPN, in terms of run block and pass block win rate. So it was really good to get a starter back, especially a guy that they just signed right to, to a new deal. So um, I, we'll, we'll see how that battle goes. I think if the most overwhelming position group battle uh, is in favor of the, the Raiders offensive line to the Chargers defensive line, like, yeah, don't get me wrong again, Bosa and Ingram, fantastic pass rushers. They're going to do what they always do, but that interior man, Linval Joseph's been fine, but he only plays about 50 to 60% of the snaps. Otherwise, you get Jerry Tillery, who's been much better of a pass rusher than he's been at stopping the run. Justin Jones is a guy who's 
increased and improved his play uh, since he was drafted in 2018, but still is kind of working into to being a true and tried, you know, good penetrating three technique. So I'm, I think what n- makes me nervous the most is that Raiders offensive line, because it just seems like a bunch of guys who take a lot of pride in being able to maul and, you know, take their man from point A to point B. Um, they just seem like they, they can't get enough of it. And I think that's a big reason why Josh Jacobs has had tons of success. Um, at least the last, you know, first year and a half of his, his young career. So um, this is going to be a great matchup. Uh, We've talked for for quite a bit of time. um, And, and obviously as you guys can tell, we could talk about this all day and we could just keep going and going and going, but obviously you guys have time, uh, you know, your time is special. So we don't want to take it all obviously with this show, but uh, Bill, before we kind of wrap things up real quick, why don't we just take turns uh, kind of summarizing about how you think the game is going to go and then give us a final score prediction for Sunday. Okay, cool. Um, haven't thought about final scores. I'm going to have to get this on the fly here. I think it's going to be a close game. Um, Chargers play close games. We know um, the Raiders mostly play close games. I think the Raiders are a little better. Um, I think they may be a little mentally in a better place right now. So I, I expect the Raiders to win and I'll go, you know, I'm going to go 30 to 27 Raiders. Okay. I, I like that score. I think it's going to be close for sure. And for all the other obvious reasons. Um, but I think the script might be flipped a little bit in that. I think the Raiders are probably going to start strong in this one and i think it's going to be the chargers who end up having to make some sort of a comeback bid and i think the final score is going to be i want to say 26 to 20 26 24 and i'm going to go with the raiders on this one and people you can crucify me all you want but as of uh you know his first two division games Yes, he's a rookie, but Justin Herbert has struggled against AFC West opponents. And I don't have the numbers on me, but in the last five to six years, decade of Phillip Rivers playing against the AFC West, his numbers were awful. There's just something about the Chargers, no matter who's a quarterback, who the players are, coaches, they always play uh, AFC West opponents tough, and they just have not played super well, at least whoever is quarterback in the team. So that's my final score prediction. Um any last bits before we go, Bill? Any last things you wanted to hit on before we, we wrap this thing up? Not really. I just thanks for having me. It was fun. And, you know, we'll do it again later in the season. Was that December, right? And uh, yeah, I think there's a it's a Thursday night football game, right? Thursday night game. You're right. I think about week, oh, yeah, yeah about a week before Christmas. So yeah, we'll we'll do that. And yeah, I think hey, this is AFC West, man. These are two. These are long histories. The fans hate each other, and. I think it's going to be fun. It's it's going to be a fun game. Yeah, I think so as well. I, you know, with my wife sitting next to me uh, on Sunday, it was tough going through those emotions, the feelings of of the game. And for those of you guys, obviously, you know, I'm an actual Chargers fan um, who came into, you know, being lucky enough to, to cover this team. So I'm not exempt from feeling the emotions that come with watching the Chargers. So uh, I had to look her in the face and just be like, you know, this has happened seven weeks in a row and it's really tough on my, my mental capacity and, you know, on my body in general. So hopefully 
you know, somehow it's just not that stressful because God knows we could all use a little less stress in our lives right now. So right. Uh, that about wraps everything up, guys. Once again, Bill, appreciate you coming on. It was an absolute blast. Again, we could talk and talk and talk forever, but uh, we've got another game coming up later this season. But, you know, there's some important stuff going on later today. As you know, we, we are uh, recording this on Election Day. I'm not sure when it's going to get posted. If it's going to be posted tomorrow as well. But uh, go out and vote. And uh, once again, Bill, appreciate you coming on. All right, Mario. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. And with that, wraps up our show today, guys. Appreciate you as always. Appreciate the listens. Hope you guys enjoyed the conversation. It's an exciting game this weekend. Again, the Chargers are winless in AFC West since the end of the 2018 season. This is another prime game for them to finally kind of put at least those set of demons to bed. I honestly can't wait for Sunday, and I know you guys can't either. If you guys don't follow me on Twitter yet, at Zone Track, Z-O-N-E-T-R-A-C-K-S. All my work, written work at boltsfromtheblue.com. That is SB Nation's Los Angeles Chargers blog and community. Come join the fun. We have a blast over there. And with that being said, guys, I'll see you on Sunday. I'll talk to you next week.